Here's a space, a space so powerful it allows an ordinary fan to share a chair with the owner of a team, a platform where supporters understand the intricate details of players' rights, a setting that bridges the gap between the dressing room and the grandstand, a space where tactics meet opinion, transfer news meet gossip, and the VAR system meets social media, a space for the football tribe. Le Coco. La space. Good evening, good evening. It is a Tuesday, a beautiful one at that, I might add. Welcome to yet another edition of Le Cocola Space. Um, I've decided to move locations today. I've decided to pay my mom a visit. And yeah, you know, just recalibrate. Let me take this moment again and welcome you. Uh, we're going to have a chat, a chat that, you know, it's not often that we, we try and look at this aspect of football, but I believe that is one of the most important aspect of football, video analysis uh, and analysis thereof. So we're going to be focusing on two aspects of analysis, the analyst, the analysis of football and the analysis of uh, the video analysis side of things. With me this evening, I have two of my guests. I'll introduce them later and I'll, they'll, I'll give them an op- opportunity for them to explain to you exactly who they are and what they do. Someone, as you know, some you want. You'll also notice that the, it's, there's a special guest speaker that's there. So don't be alarmed. This is an, uh, you know, it's going to be an account that we're going to use going forth because Umshengu has made a request saying, if guests are not available on Twitter, is, there, is it possible that we can create a guest account for them and then we have them on the platform? Because as much as we have them on the via phone calls, they're not audible. Remember the rules of engagement? Hashtag Coca-Cola Space is what you're going to be putting on the timeline. I will give you a WhatsApp line soon, soon, and we'll be discussing. With that, without further ado, let me welcome U Luyolo into the space. My brother... This is your home. Welcome to yet another edition. Uh, thank you very much, Cox. How are you doing? I'm I'm wonderful. I should be asking you. Nah, all is well on my side. Um, had a peaceful day. I hope everybody that's listening has had a lovely day as well. And um, looking forward to the evening. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to this evening because I'll be learning about uh, Zone 14 and Zone 8 and all these other zones because the only the only zones I know I knew were from Soweto. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Let me let me also take this moment and you know it's it's I don't know if it's a surprise. You might most of you might not know this gentleman. But I happen to know him, and uh, his name is Ryan Hunt. He's affiliated. I'm going to give him a chance to introduce himself. But he's affiliated with one of the PSL teams that's in in, in the coast, my Western Cape, to be particular. Ryan, welcome to the space. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate you introducing me, and hello to everyone. Hello to Lukoko, Luyolo. Um, I am the analyst at Stellenbosch Football Club. Um, I actually mainly focus on data, so a lot of the recruitment, a lot of that stuff, but I also do the video at the club as well. So, yeah, I think uh, I've seen it quite a few times spoken about, you know, recruitment using data and also video analysis. So 
I figured it'd be very nice to, you know, engage with fans and speak on this platform just to give a little bit of an insight into how we do it at Stellenbosch and then also kind of how the league operates in, you know, in that space. Right. Um, this should be an interesting one because I've, I've, I've never had the option to host gentlemen who are fixated on data. I always host guys that come here and give me theory all day, but you guys are you give me stats and you give me numbers. So when you say this player is horrible, you are not clutching at straws. You are actually making a statement and you have signs that backs you up. Leolo, let me, let me take this moment and then ask you that what, because I know you, you had a keen interest in being an, a, a commentator, but what then lured you into going into the analysis side of things? So it was when I went for the auditions at Supersport and um, I'd, I'd bowed out in the final. But then Mr. Suzuma Mapena called me to the side and he's like, um, he asked how old I was. I was a teenager then. I think I was about 18 or 19. And yeah. he's like, I love your delivery, you know, and how much insight you have. Then he was like, I think you'd make a better analyst than you would commentator, you know. And um, it's something that stuck with me for a very long time. But as the years went on, I didn't really focus on it until then I started um, my own podcast. And when mm. I started my own podcast, I then had this um, idea because now it was it was visual. I had this idea to have an episode where I would invite a coach. I invited a coach and I asked him to bring his tactical board. And um, the, the response was, was phenomenal. People loved it. And then that's when the idea hit that, okay, maybe then I should sort of change the narrative with regards to what I'm trying to put out. So mm. the vision was um, conversational episodes, but it went from that to then it becoming very tactical. And um, it's something I guess I've always had because I've always had a very analytical mind. Just like when it comes to anything in life, I'm very analytical and I always break down things, even if it's things that have nothing to do with football. So that's how it came about. People really loved it and it just stuck, I guess. And people then recommended that stick to this. This is what you're good at. And it's only recently that, well, last year, that I remember that uh, Mr. Sizo Mabena had planted a seed. And that was a couple of years ago when I was 18. And he said, this is what you should be doing. And I guess I've come full circle in that regard. And shout out full to uh, Shout out to Sizo Mabena, man. Apologies about that. Uh, my son is right next to me, and yeah, he's running a mock. He thinks he's running the space. Yeah, um, let me, Ryan, let me ask you now. You know, we all watch football, and we all have our, our own view in terms of how it is that we watch the sport. As a video analyst, how different is it that you switch on in terms of watching the sport? Because I could be watching a player, and he could just be making a run, and I don't notice that. Do you, Are you watching the whole the whole game as in the whole board at any given moment or you are focusing on certain segments of the game so yeah it's a good question um because i think a lot of analysts also they they try to make it over complicated but i actually think you can only watch certain things at a time so you have to have in your head kind of what you plan on watching in certain moments so when you're using for example a run um you know maybe we you have to focus on maybe a sacrificial run. So maybe some players have to come short because that obviously draws defenders with them, which then creates the space in behind, you know, to allow runners to go, which is a different mm. type of run. 
which is that maybe is a, is a type of movement that not everyone will notice. You know, maybe people will think a player wasn't heavily involved in the game, but you know, maybe a player scored two goals. But the credit sometimes has to go then to the player that actually took two players away from the space for that player to operate. So when you're watching, you can't have you know you're not watching all 22 players on the field at the same time. You know, mm. I can't pretend like I'm aware of what the right back is doing if I'm trying to focus, for example, on that run. You know, I can't maybe focus on Dino van Rooyen if I'm trying to assess how our striker is is coming short and how maybe Ashley Dupree is running in behind. You know, so I'll be watching in that moment. And maybe even during the game, let's say the balls that are left back, I'll then have to maybe focus on what our right wing is doing. You know, maybe because I'm away within our system, we are we want to draw everyone to that side so that we can maybe hit a cross field ball or maybe rotate play quickly because we our space is actually then maybe at our right wing. So we will I will scout for our patterns, our patterns of play that we work on at training. I will be I'll be looking specifically at. You know, maybe we we want space in certain areas against certain teams because we realize that you know maybe a team is weaker in certain areas. Maybe they don't defend half spaces, so maybe we need players to come into half spaces. You know, so that's kind of we have our preconceived idea of where we want to exploit a team or where we defensively need to you know be compact or be aggressive, and then we will focus on those areas. But no, we, I don't think we we watch it with. You know, too much difference to a fan. All right, and I hear you mentioning numbers, and you mentioned a lot of stats. I'm sure, like, and I read somewhere. Speaking of stats, 65% of people, and I'm talking about in general, not just footballers. 65% of people are visual learners. So, meaning, a lot of pe- a lot of players would not be able to hear what the coach is saying unless you have to then show them or paint a picture of where it is, where the visual board now would then come in. This would mean that you play a very important role in the coaching sessions, right? I'm directing this at you. Um, so, yeah, we definitely align sessions to, to to our tactical thinking. And a lot of our tactical thinking, it, it goes with our video. So if we, you know, we're trying to set up a certain system, we have to understand what is working and what isn't working. Um, so, you know, if we if we're trying to focus on a certain aspect, then we have to also be able to show the players. So whether it's, you know, trying to implement it on the training field, um, us as coaches, we, you know, myself and our assistant coach Wesley, we will put together kind of some visual. And then us as coaches, we, you know, we understand what we're trying to do and we try to get the visuals that most like call it exemplify what we are trying to do and how we're trying to exploit teams and how we're trying to play our football and then we will show players that so that the players also have a visual understanding because I agree with exactly what you're saying in terms of being visual learners Um, I think players very much understand once they can see okay that's specifically the type of run I should be making or so then we show the players and then we take that to the training field where you know then we will set up the session so that we can now implement that specific movement more often than you know other type of movements because we realize maybe that's our strength so especially like for us we have players like Ashley Dupria um, who's a very quick player very good at getting in behind teams um, you know so that's why we have to try create you know width and depth to get certain players in behind 
you know and there's also then certain times we have to focus on we can't just obviously use that tactic so then maybe sometimes you have to focus on creating space so that you know Mendieta can receive and turn so that he can now play certain players because he'll attract defenders out of their positions so you have to focus on kind of the video and maybe to show the players listen this is maybe where you're receiving the ball and we actually want you to receive it you know in a different area so that another player can be in the right area because if it doesn't work from the beginning it becomes quite difficult to get then your end your end goal so we have, it's a whole the whole process has to kind of work together and that's why football is such a beautiful sport because you can't always analyze and predict everything but as staff we can try our best to implement a a certain tactic or a certain methodology that we want to and let me now bring in Riolo and and, and because you're mentioning because I'm 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 kind of reading what you're saying and I the one thing that I don't want us to do is leave behind the listener uh Riolo let's now take it back to the board and the board that you'll be having what first and foremost what's the name of that board that you'll be having and if possible in summary wise if you can just break it down because you'll be talking about zones uh, do you break it down in 3 do you break it down in 20 zones how many zones are there and how do you then break it down to know this player is moving from this portion of the field all the way to that field to the other side of the field okay so it 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 depends you know on on it's it's always in relation to what the coach is trying to achieve and how different coaches want to break down the field but generally you've got 18 zones and then you would have five vertical channels so from left to right that's how you'd read it so the left wide channel would be vertical zone 1 and then vertical zone 2 would be the left sided half space vertical zone 3 would be the center of the pitch vertical zone 4 is um, the right sided half space vertical zone 5 would be the right wide channel so it just boils down to how a certain coach um wants to implement these type of things and um in relation then to their game model you know so the um, sort of the 18 zone approach and um coaches then uh being able then to draw a lot of these lines on the training pitch that that is synonymous a lot with uh Pep Guardiola for example because his team is heavily reliant on um rotate positional play and uh, positional rotations as well you know so there are certain rules when it comes then to um the amount of players you could have within the same sort of vertical zone and um then within the same horizontal zone for example you know so i think it boils down largely to what the coach is trying to achieve with regards to their game model and mm. um in relation to what the opposition will be doing as well you know that's first and foremost because at the end of the day it's pointless if um a coach is going to reference certain points that don't have anything to do with how they're trying to impose themselves so i think it boils down to that and with me because i analyze um across the board as opposed to Ryan who works with one with 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 uh, primarily one team with Stanbosch and then whoever they would be coming up against i think it's a it's a bit it's a bit different from that regard and he'd obviously have a lot more in-depth analysis with regards to how then they view the pitch and what they are trying to do in relation to what the opposition is is doing as well so mm. it just boils down to what the coach is trying to do but generally speaking you've got 18 zones 
and uh, with those 18 zones zone 14 is the zone just outside the box that is where most goals are actually created or most goals would come from you know that's why it's the most important zone on the pitch and then it also zone 14 also forms as part of a danger zone you've got the box which is also a danger zone and that's about it other 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 people can look at the field from sort of uh three phases where you're looking at build up you're looking at um consolidation phase which would be in the midfield and then the final third so it just boils down to your game model and how you want to relate to the players and what you're trying to achieve you know ryan he's mentioning coaches and what it is that the coaches are trying to do now look you you're going to analyze and you're going to be watching the game and you're going to be giving feedback to the coach as much as you guys are giving feedback to the coach are you governed by what the coach is saying do you so what i'm trying to ask you is that say maybe you're playing a royal am for example it would then would would you be then sit, having a meeting with coach steve barker and he'll be saying gentlemen this week i would like to be playing like this this and that and I would like for you guys to now tell me what areas I can exploit from the uh, from the opposition, or would it, would you then be the one that leads this meeting and to say, look, coach, this team actually plays like this, and these are the areas we can exploit. So have your training session around that. Who leads? Am I putting the card before the horse, or are you the one that leads the training session? No, so I would say it's a. The, the obviously the training session will be dictated by you know the head coach and I would say the assistant coaches um, but it's definitely a collective effort so you know we have a very direct dialogue between myself and then we have three first team coaches so between myself and them we definitely sit down call it after you know every session or both and before sessions but after every session as well just to analyze how the actual session went and do we achieve our objectives and then maybe how going forward tomorrow next day how then do we further you know ensure that the players do understand what we are trying to do and maybe not just understand but can implement what we're trying to do so the the actual idea of the session will come down to the coach but the influence i would say is a collective so i will discuss with them and i will say listen you know, maybe our last game, we didn't do X, Y, and Z, you know, correctly. We didn't do it, you know, the way we wanted to. And it, mm. we can be improving in that space. Um, but then further than that, if you're now analyzing the opponent, we can say, you know, they aren't very good at doing this or they want to do this, you know. And then how do we exploit them? So just for example, we just played WLM on the weekend and they are quite a similar team in a sense to us. Um so, you know, they have a very good midfield that can consolidate possession, as Mignolo says. So, we realized that in midfield, we, we couldn't allow them too much space. We couldn't allow them too much time. So, it's then ensuring that we can get enough pressure and enough numbers in midfield that don't allow them kind of to turn and free possession so that they can just get their head up, you know, and find their, their wide players, you know. So, it's mm. you have to obviously, I will have to go and I'll have to find what the puck's very good at. I will inform the coaches. You know, the coaches also watch, and then we all kind of bring our our opinions and our thoughts to before we kind of design the weekly session. And then we can say, okay, we need by the end of the week. These are our objectives. This is what we're trying to do. And then after every session, identify what we haven't maybe got clear yet to the players about how we're trying to play, and then how 
the opposition need to play. So, you know, and every every team's got their game model, as Leona says. So, you know, the way we have to prepare for Royal M, we we will try go maybe 70-30. We want to we want to be able to play our way of football, but you know, if you're playing Mamelodi Sundowns, you can't easily try go and match them for possession. It's going to be very difficult for you. So you have to adopt a different game plan to that game, and then by doing that. You can actually, you know, try exploit certain areas that might they might not be as comfortable with. So it, it becomes a collective effort, but it, it is the role of the analyst to inform the coach of opposition and exactly how we performed in our most recent fixtures. So being able to tell the coach, listen, we tried to do that. It didn't really work as we tried. You know, maybe it's enforcing it more. Or maybe it's actually just changing the plan. You know, maybe you've identified that you didn't implement it correctly, and it's not realistic that you will anytime soon. So you must also be able to identify when to carry on. You know, when to progress it, or when to actually just realize you haven't done it correctly and accept that it's not really going to work. And and Riolo, let me bring you in here because he's mentioning something about you know you have to. Essentially, what he's saying is that you have to fail fast. You have to realize that something is working or is not working. You have the you have the privilege of monitoring a lot of teams, and you you would then analyze what it is that's going to happen. Now, let me. I could be nitpicking, but if you are analyzing a match and you've seen the numbers, how often do the numbers tell a story in a sense that the match that the team would be going into? So. If, for example, let's take Sundowns Al Ali. Sundowns Al Ali, the numbers would probably tell you that Al Ali is going to beat Sundowns because this has never happened. But how often are you? How often do teams prove numbers wrong? Yeah. So with football, one one thing that we should always bear in mind is that um, anything is possible at the end of the day. Like anything is possible. So as 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 people who watch the game and analyze it. There's only so much that we we can look at. There's only so much that we can analyze. There's a part of it then that just boils down to what happens on on the day, you know. And um, sometimes it can also boil down to how certain teams maybe don't show up on the day. Sometimes it can boil down to how a team were able then to study uh, a key player and ensure then that uh, player can't affect the game. In, in, in a certain way and um, I'll give you an example and I think this will um, be close to home for Ryan um, there was a period when uh, Keegan Dolly was doing very well and how then he was looking to exploit the half space the right side of the half space and he was dropping in Stellenbosch went to the FNB stadium and they won 1-0 and in that game Dolly was nullified Dolly couldn't play you know, and credit to to, to Ryan and uh, the rest of the technical team with regards to how they got that right, because a lot of teams are struggling with that. So if you were looking at the numbers and you were looking at the patterns, one would have suggested that Dolly would have been very influential in that game. But because then um, uh, the, the technical team and Ryan, they're doing a phenomenal job, then they were able to pick that up. So sometimes there are teams then who are able to nullify a player then who's very dangerous and you don't expect it but you see it throughout the 90 minutes and throughout the game they've got um, a different plan at different phases in relation to how that key player might try to adjust because certain key players might quickly realize okay um, they've been able then to, to, to track that run every time I'm looking to play that ball in behind 
they track that run. So maybe then let me adjust. Let me maybe pick up a wider pocket of space to look then to influence play. And you find that the technical team are already on that. You know, they've read the move two, three times um, ahead of what uh, the player would be trying to do. You know, so at times, as much as yes, numbers do tell us stories, but there's always that element of unpredictability on the day because anything is possible and anything can happen. And I like the fact that you made the example of um, Al-Akhli versus uh, Sundowns, you know, because uh, when Sundowns did go away, one would have thought that um, Al-Akhli were going to win. And I, I predicted that as well. And even in my analysis, I, I predicted that they'd have more ball possession. I predicted that. And a lot of that we did see. But now the result was different, you know, and it also then boils down to what do the players do in key moments and in big moments as well and which players then have that big match temperament. So we look at the numbers a lot, but there's always then that, I'd say that um, minute gap where anything can happen, anything is possible on the day and uh, with regards to how certain players and how the technical team have planned for the opposition and sometimes the, the opposing technical team has planned right to the T and they're able to nullify the team and uh, players look lethargic, players look very lackadaisy and the opposition just can't get into the game, you know, and, you know, as a fan, if you're watching that, then you're asking yourself, what, what went wrong? What is happening? But if you then watch the game from, I'd say, from a much more analytical perspective and you have a look at the previous games and then you mm. have a look at what the opposing team did well, then you get to realize where the answer is and how then they were able to ensure that they nullify the opposing team and um, deny them the space to play their game. And Liolo, so, let so me... Even, sorry, so, sorry, Lukaku, but even carry on, carry on. to dovetail with Liolo, um, speaking specifically on the on the Alakhli Sundowns game, what I, I know that Sundowns, with their detailed analysis, they would know, for example, that possession is highly influential in, you know, a lot of their fixtures. I mean, they average, you know, the largest amount of possession in the league and even in the Champions League when they play other teams. But very identifiably, they had less than 40% possession in both their games against Alakhli this season. Whereas if you look at their last season, they had more possession in both games so and in the last four wins going back all the way to 2019 between Sundowns and Alakhli the team that had less possession actually won the match so possession isn't always uh, it's actually a, a poor metric to analyze a match in maybe in control but the thing is transition and counter-attacks are so influential in in modern football that if you can't maintain the position. So if, for example, the quality between Sundowns and Alakli is actually quite similar, if you have 65% position, all it actually does is increase your probability of making errors. So it allows a team like Sundowns to create better chances so they can now exploit the errors that Alakli are making. So as I say, if you look at the position stats from the, the two games they won this season compared to last season, it's literally a it's a double swing so it's very interesting about how when to have more position you know if you have superiority all over the field then it's very influential to have possession but if you are quite an evenly matched team then you actually don't want to be the team that has 60 percent of the ball so it's, it's a as i said a double-edged sword sometimes and you have to be able to identify when to accept not to try keep the ball for extended periods and when to you know sit deeper and then exploit space in behind, exploit errors, 
because they will happen. And, and Liolo, you know, let me let me take this moment because he's mentioning the 63-64% ball position that we witnessed. One, I'd like to know because I mean that that was absurd. Like I, I couldn't believe that a team would have that much position. I mean, we were led to believe in in previous years that a team that's that has the position that that has the position is the team that would be dominating the game. But it, it it told a different story, like he's he's saying. You know, it depends on where and how and when you have the ball. So let me ask you, how is it that? analyst or let me say when we have these stats on tv how do they give you the ball position stats do they count every single pass that's made uh is it the time that the ball is had so i'm just trying to make it easier for the person that that's listening to say okay this is how they derived at this 63 64 percent ball position so to my knowledge and um i speak under correction to my knowledge, it would be a confluence of how long the ball is kept and the amount of passes, you know. So that's what I've, I've come to know. And sometimes you can watch a game and when you read the stats, it's like, but it didn't feel like that, you know. So mm. I, I think that um, maybe when it comes to, to this one, maybe Ryan would be better placed to, to give us further knowledge. But from my, my standpoint, those are the two two aspects that I would know. Ryan? So, yeah, the, the more important aspect is actually ball in play time. So, what you actually want to study more as an analyst is while the ball is in play. So, the average match is actually ball in play time for sundowns, for example, will be about 55 minutes. So, that's, you know, that's just a ballpark figure. Different teams have different times. Your better position teams will have the ball in play for longer. So, you know, there's the percentage and the percentage is purely just about how long out of the 90 minutes, 90 plus minutes that that team has control of the ball. So that percentage might even count when you have a throw-in. So if you have a throw-in, you know, you might not even be doing anything. You can be on the side of the field, but you still have possession of the ball. So the, the percentage will count all of that in, in, in space. But if you really want to dig deeper into a team, you actually want to know how long that team keeps the ball on average, how how long that team actually keeps the ball by by possession. So if a team, for example, I'll use Stellenbosch again as an example, we played Wallaham this weekend, we had 58% possession, but within that we kept the ball for about 28 minutes. So that's how long we actually had to operate. That's in play that we could use the ball and they added for about 20, 21 minutes. So that's kind of if you want to go deeper into possession that's probably the better way to to analyze it and then you actually base your stats on those numbers so how long a certain player holds the ball you know um who exactly had the ball within that 28 minutes um where were they placed on the field so when you want to analyze a team and a player and you know opposition it's it's actually trying to get where was the possession how long was it there specifically in minutes so I can count, for example, uh, a team had it in, as Liola will call it, in, in zone 14, but they only had it in that zone for, you know, a minute, 30 seconds, which is what we're obviously trying to avoid. We don't want them to have it there as, as often as possible. So position as a percentage isn't the, the most useful, but it obviously does tell you about the game. But you actually want to know in minutes, how long does that team have the ball in play? That's the, the main aspect. And then it's quite easy to count. You actually just 
stopwatch. They have the ball, okay, they've lost it. Stopwatch, they have the ball. And then by doing that, you can actually count positions. So then you can say, on average, Sundowns keep the ball for about 16 seconds. You know, um, another team might keep the ball for 12 seconds. So that can also help you in your training and your assessment of opposition and all of that. Right. And, and, and sorry, yeah, Liola? Just, just to add on to that, it's interesting that he mentions um, in-play minutes. And the interesting stat that I read was about Egypt at the, at the recent AFCON and how they had the, the, um, the least amount of in-play um, minutes with regards to them having the ball. And it then tells you that um, the approach that they had, they had a very pragmatic approach. And one of the main things was for them to ensure that the opposition could never build that momentum, which is also an interesting thing with regards to in-game minutes. Uh, interesting, interesting stats indeed. Uh, let me now, Ryan, let me bring you back in. And we see all these numbers that you guys are mentioning. Very wonderful. Um, you, we see all the, the language that you, you use and, and, you know, the stats that you'd be given to the coach. Is there any type of special software that you use? And if there are different types, which I assume there are, which one would be the more better? So I'm, I'm asking from a point of somebody who wants to go into this field and take on the, the being, being an analyst. So at Stellenbosch, we actually have access to quite a few. We're probably the only team, I think we're the only team in the league that has access to Statsform. Um, in terms of data, I would say they're the best for, there's also Opta and all of those, but Opta and them mainly work with your, your larger leagues in Europe, whereas Statsform, for example, are probably the best data provider, you know, probably in football space right now. Um, but we also have access to Instat and Scout. So if you, as an analyst, if you more want to get into data sense, I would definitely recommend Statsform. But if you are kind of trying to do a collective, then maybe Scout or Instat, because there they also give you the footage so you can now apply the data that they do provide. And then the footage, because there you can link footage where Statsform is purely just numbers. So you can, as a platform, I would recommend Instat or Scout. And Scout is actually relatively affordable if you are an analyst just trying to get into football and maybe understand a little bit. Scout do have decent packages where you can actually just pay as a fan and you'll get limited access to footage and data, which will allow you to obviously analyze and see what you can do with it. Because look, every analyst and every person can can deal with data and video in a different way. So, All right. And like cost-wise, because I'm, I'm looking at, you know, it can be cheap. Um, what are we looking at? Um, so Statsbomb, I would say is quite expensive. Um, it's, if you don't have the personnel, like especially in South Africa, a lot of the teams aren't very analytical. Um, so that's why I say we would be the only team with Statsbomb because we, we, we do have, you know, the people to, to use the information. Mm. Um, but that, yeah, it is quite expensive. I'm talking like excess of 120,000. Uh, but I'm sure they do have packages for, you know, individuals and stuff. That's obviously as a football club. Um, Instat, I think if you want a single account, you and that's worldwide access, so you'll be able to speak about whatever league around the world. You're going to talk about, you know, fifty to 80,000. 
um, for the for the year for the season. And then, but Wire Scouts, as I said, they do have affordable options where you can you can pay. I think it's like eight thousand rand, and you can actually get access to. As I said, it's limited, but you can get access to footage and data for most leagues around the world, and you can pay about eight thousand for the season. Right. I see Laduma Analytics is in the space. I'm going to try and throw a bit of bait their way and hopefully they'll bite. So if, you, if, if you're comfortable in the space, please request, sit, press that mic option. And I'd like to give you an option because I think you also play a very important role. You're one of the first people that, that got to get the fans interested in the an- analysis side of things. So I'm going to humbly, humbly request that if you can, please, bottom left of your screen, press the request option. And yeah, I'd, like, I'd just like to pick your brain and, and, and we, we, we take it from there. You know, uh, okay, Ryan, let me now bring it back and say, this is you preparing for a match. Let's say you are playing Barocca over the weekend. How many matches would you have on average? How many matches would you have to watch for you to properly give a detailed report so i think the main focus there is actually more what our assistant coach does he'll do opposition video um which you'll use i think about four or five games um whereas i'll provide a report mainly on data which will be a lot of heat maps a lot of shot maps um you know kind of sequences pass networks those sort of things um where that will then include the whole season, but maybe they have a tactical change or maybe a coach came in, then you would use it from whenever the coach came. But obviously the difference between video is it'll take a lot more time to watch because you'll have to sit there and watch the whole game. Whereas for myself, I'll be able to use the whole season. So I'll again use the Royal AM example because we just played them. Um, they changed their shape, you know, from a three so then you'll have to be able to analyze the difference between a three and a four, you know, a back three, a back four. And you can obviously then create heat maps that are necessary for both shapes, you know, how you think they're going to play, how they have been playing. So I can analyze, you know, if I wanted to include in heat maps and, and the networks, you could analyze, you know, 50 games because the data is a little bit easier. But I would say for an opposition video analysis, about four, four to five games. Apologies about that. Uh, I thought I had, you know, I see Luyolo, we've lost him. I'm going to re-add him into as the speaker. I was talking and my mic was muted, which is a good thing because Luyolo was not going to hear me. Uh, Luyolo, if you're back, I'm going to pose this question to you again. We had a chat about heat maps and 
you know, Liolo, I see you back, so I'm going to start my question. We had a chat, Ryan was mentioning heat maps, and I've seen heat maps, uh, and I'm just an average soccer follower, and I see this green thing that has different colors around it. What would th- those different colors be representing? For example, the yellow, um, and I'm t- talking about, like, if we're looking at Keegan Dolly's movement, what would the yellow be representing? What would the red be representing with regards to his movement? So what is it that when I'm looking at that, I'd be able to learn with regards to a player's movement. So I think the most important thing is it, it, it would detail where he spends most of his time on 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 a football on a football pitch, obviously. And I think then also then it's also then important to sort of from my perspective to analyze it holistically. So you can get the heat map and then also then looking at how effective was he when he was playing because sometimes you can get a heat map with uh, a player who's been all over the pitch but it doesn't always mean that they were effective you know in relation to what they did and what they produced on the day so the most important thing then is detailing how much time do they spend in certain pockets of space and um where where at times where are they most effective you know and um if, if i would give you an example of let's say um let's say top of my head i'm thinking of trent alexander arnold if you have a look at his heat map it would be very similar to um a player then who plays as an attacking right-sided player so that would already tell you that this is a player who enjoys a lot of time in the opposition half he attacks a lot and you'd also then get to pick up that at times he does tend to drift infield so it would basically um, symbolize that but i always like to have um, a holistic look at the th- at things so i look at the numbers how effective was he um, the different types of uh, pockets of space he picks up and yeah so i just like to look at things holistically as opposed to looking at, at it as an isolated incident so i always like to balance the the various aspects of looking at such especially then when it comes to a heat map and let me now ask you this question again while you're talking about looking at it holistically Peter Shalunile, for example his heat map story would tell you that He's more effective, and when I say effective, because he's a goal scorer, he's more effective when there's a lot of red on the left-hand side of the pitch as opposed to a lot of red in the middle of the pitch. Why would that be? What have you noticed as an analyst that that's making him more lethal on the left-hand side as opposed to him being an, a striker's striker? Well, I think it's the it, it would be the type of runs that he would make and um, when he occupies that space he does tend to find um, uh, he does tend to find himself having a lot more opportunities so there are certain strikers who tend to to drift a bit wide there are certain strikers who tend to drop a bit and they tend to be a lot more effective within that regard and it also then makes him at times a bit more difficult to mark because a lot of defenders for example a center back would expect Shalile to always be playing on his last shoulder or to be right in front of him whereas if he can occupy a certain pocket of space and then make a late run or come from the left hand side he becomes a lot more a lot more effective you know and um, that's why then I say that it's also very important then that you 
we also have a look at um, the numbers. You find maybe then he also contributes to maybe chances created when he's coming from that side. And also when you watch the game and you get to see that, okay, he can make these to- these type of runs, sorry, when he does come from the left-hand side, for example. So that that's where it gets to a point then that we're looking at it holistically. But with Shalulile, that's one thing that, that I've picked up. And he becomes very difficult then to mark. And a lot of the times he does find himself sort of in, in a good pocket of space and he's able to finish. And sometimes then with certain strikers, for example, I'll give you an example where um, there was Nukovic and he was playing off the left and he was playing in a role termed as a split striker. And the whole mm. purpose of, of that then is to create unpredict- unpredictability and with him then drifting into the box a lot later than him then occupying the central pocket of space with the centre-backs, you know. So sometimes it boils down to... Um, what the coach is trying to achieve and the players that you have within your team as well. You know, you find that certain strikers are a lot more lethal when they start in a wider pocket of space as opposed to a central pocket of space. And it depends then. Sometimes it works and then sometimes it, it, it just doesn't work. Cool. Um, Ryan, you you guys play a, a pivotal role before the match and you've, you've highlighted how important a role it is that you play. And, and, and I get that. But I also think... You guys don't sit on the bench and I get that. But I also think that your role is as important, if not more, during a match. Because, yes, a coach will be looking at a match and what it is that's happening. But he's only looking at it from an eye test point of view. I, do you guys have some sort of influence when the game is on? I've seen The reason I'm asking this is because I've seen tablets flying around. And initially, I thought people are just watching DSTV now and watching the opposition, how they play. But I've actually realized the software around it. And there's just some, you know, some player movement or they're tracking these players. So, yeah, actually, with the, with the iPad story, um, it's not too detailed uh, or complicated. Um, we literally, because we do it as well, is we'll film, you know, the game, but then it allows you an iPad just a bit easier than actual, call it an old school camera, where then at halftime, if needs be, if there's anything that you have to show the coach, you know, maybe they're exploiting us in a certain way. Because as you say, when you watch it from an eye level point of view and when you're watching it from the stands, from the stands, especially as you'll find most analysts will try to sit as high as possible so they can see the whole field. Um... And they can see kind of all the players. So it allows you to see kind of maybe where a player is getting exploited. And then by filming it, you can then at least go half time. And on the iPad, it's very quick. Then you can just rewind to, you know, certain segments of the game that you've, you know, noticed. And maybe you want to identify areas that you can exploit or where they have exploited you. And then you can at least just show the coaches and say, listen, this is what they've done. This is what we've done. Maybe if we can do this, you know, at least the coaches then can see visually you know exactly kind of the movement and and maybe we have different thinking of how to how to stop it or how to exploit it so it's important in the sense that the coaches especially if it's far side because if it's far side they might not see how deep the run comes from or you know how the actual run comes about because as Liola was saying a lot of strikers these days do start a lot wider but that often also becomes a, a situation where they're trying to call it isolate a fullback where it'll allow them to run in between the centre-backs and the fullbacks because there's most likely a winger that's also going to try to draw the fullback. 
So it just allows a, a striker to be able to run to run into space behind without the call it target of a centre back that identifies the run early. Because obviously, as a striker, you're trying to get as much time as you can in the box. So whether you start wide or where you start centrally, the objective is trying to get into the box. You know, because that's where goals are scored. So whether the run starts outside and then comes inside, if it's on the far side, maybe trying to film it, you can actually now show the coach and say, listen, he's now made this run a few times. They haven't scored yet, but it's definitely something we have to keep an eye out for. And then at least the coach has a visual picture of exactly how the run looks, maybe how they're trying to set up, you know, how to exploit that run. So it's more just to show at half time exactly what's happening because the fortunate thing is you can get the, the footage after the game from Supersport. So the, the iPad is mainly just for, for call it half-time analysis or to show the coaches exactly certain movements, certain patterns of both teams. Speaking of movements and patterns, Leona, let me bring it back to a, a viewer's point of view because I'm not going to say a fan because we're not allowed back in the stadium. So let me say a viewer's point of view. There's, you know, usually when, when, when a game is on TV, there'd be players that are highlighted. And when they're analyzing these players, there'd be lines and there'd be trolls and they'll be, they're, they're calling it traces and all this stuff, especially in the EPL. Anything interesting that you might find that you want to you know, inform the, the viewer with regards to this because we're just seeing lines and we're seeing cl- terms being thrown about saying this is a trace, you know. Uh, anything that we can pick from that because I, I, I would just assume that we're not watching people just highlighting certain players. Well, it, it would depend what they, what they are trying to highlight, you know, and sometimes it, it can boil down to... Um, repetition with regards to movement because a lot of teams then I would like to think uh, should have a game model and when you have your game model you're trying to have identical patterns of play in various phases so there could be a certain way in which you guys maybe look to have a wide overload or you could have um, a wide triangle and you get to realize that okay this is what is the catalyst then to that wide overload this is how then they're able to maybe build up from wide as opposed to build up through the middle. And when you then have those um, those, those traces, for example, it, it then sort of makes it a lot easier for you to understand with regards to the patterns and the movement. And I'll give you an example with, 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 with Leeds because you, you made an example of English Premier League. So Leeds under Marcelo Bielsa, they had man-to-man marking. And the commonality with regards to what Leeds was struggling with against a ball-playing side was a centre-back would carry the ball into midfield because they're man-to-man. So a lot of the time, that centre-back would be free to run the ball and step up into midfield, you know, for example. And that is one thing then that they highlighted and they used uh, an arrow and they were just detailing that. So a lot of the times, it's just showing sort of identical patterns of play or identical patterns of movement with regards to a certain individual or sometimes it could be with two players or three players and um, I'll give you an example with with Liverpool on the right hand side what you'd see a lot when you have Mo Salah playing Alexander Arnold and uh, Jordan Henderson what they Mm. do very well is that they've got these wide rotations so at different phases and at different times you can find that um, Jordan Henderson would be the one to occupy 
Alexander Arnold's um, position, which is wide right. Arnold comes into the half space. Then you have Mo Salah there, um, more or less uh, further up within the half space, almost as an inside forward in a sense. So they've got these wide rotations. And when you then able to have people who identify that, identify that, it gives you a better vision with regards to that because um, obviously I've never been in in, in um, the Liverpool's changing room. I've never spent time with Klopp, but there's certain things that I can pick up because of um, those identical patterns of play and because of those mm. things which are often highlighted. All right. Interesting. Right now, let me bring it back because without us discussing the, the EPL. Um, before I do that, uh, there was somebody very, you know, in, in the DMs that informed me and thank you for that i really appreciate it that the president has pretty much given us has vetoed us going back to the stadium which should make a lot of supporters happy so i wanted to inform you guys because you might be listening to the space and and then at the same time could not hear what the president was saying so i'm just relaying the message and i'd like to thank the president, uh, I'm assuming he's an Orlando Pirates supporter. The reason is because he's old. So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, let me bring it back and say, Ryan, I've, I've seen players wearing some sort of bras. Uh, I don't know if you to call them bibs or bras or whatever, but they, 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 they're black in color underneath their shirts. And what's the primary purpose of those things? Because, well, in the early 2000s, we never saw those things. Do they enhance any performance or are they of any use to you as an analyst? Um, so they, in our field, we call them vests, um, but they ultimately allow you to apply a GPS. So a GPS that actually fits into the vest and then that allows us to monitor players in a physical sense. So call it distance covered, high speed running, sprints, accelerations, you know, those sorts of aspects. That's what a, a GPS will provide you. So our sports science department and other club sports science departments, they will use that very much in terms of their periodization of training. So, you know, maybe a player ran a certain distance and then during the week, you want to call it monitor and ensure that that player isn't maybe overworked or underworked. You want to ensure that they come into the match, call it at peak performance. So the GPS systems are, they provide the physical data that clubs use um, to basically just assess players' fatigue and um, whether they, you know, made enough sprints during the game or whether they covered enough distance. You know, it's often relatable to specific positions. For example, your centre-backs are going to run less distance than maybe your full-backs or your central midfielders. So it, it does teach you about your physical, your physical performance data rather than your technical, technical type of data. So is, is, is that in no way in, 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 in correlation with what it is that you guys do? Like, do you guys not find use in those bibs? So if, even if they're not wearing that, you'll still be able to um, have do your job and effectively so? For myself, yes. Um, but in terms of training and um, monitoring players, physical capacity no because the actual the vest it's got a pouch at the back and within that pouch is where the gps is actually applied so that it doesn't fall out so the vest is less important than the actual device that is inside the vest all right and let me 
I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna throw a curveball your end. Before I do, top of the hour. Remember, guys, top of the hour. You're more than welcome to request. We we've had a lot of questions on the timeline before, and I felt that we need to bring these experts uh, to give us, you know, detailed analysis in terms of what it is that they do. And this is your moment to be asking. I see guys like football stalkers are here. Big ups. I see, you know. So these are the guys that are talking about the games. And Coach Simon, I also see you. Uh, these are the guys that talk about the game. So I would really be expecting questions from them. Uh, this is our chance. I, I've, I've before I've, I've had spaces where I thought people would be asking questions and they don't. They're not asking questions. But yeah, please, please, you guys. Uh, top of the hour. I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask questions and then let's let, let's jump in. Look, um, Ryan, because I feel that you you deal with the league. Let me ask you this question again. Gambling sites. Gambling sites seem to have to be having a lot of information with regards to the sport. Um, do they work hand in hand? Is it in conjunction with, with 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 analysts? Because they seem to be having all these stats. Yeah, maybe they have the software, but I mean, one would assume that for you to have the software, you'd have to have the person that's able to you, you work the software. Do they work hand in hand with analysts? Can an analyst work at a gambling site, for example? Um, so specifically to data, yes. Um, uh, gambling sites work more on the data side, so they will call it assess the probabilities of certain teams winning. So if Kaiser Chiefs play Orlando Pirates, obviously they have to set the odd. And initially, you'll have to set the odd based on kind of what the... They'll use actuaries, so actual scientists. So they will then analyze the data and create probabilities from that into say that, for example, Pirates might have a 55% chance of winning the, the specific football match versus Chiefs, and Chiefs might have a 30% chance, you know, and then the rest is the draw. So, and actually just for the viewers, there is actually sites that even do it for, for the PSL, if they are gambling and if they do want to know, um, I'll get the exact name of it now, but I think it's 538. And ultimately what they actually do is they just break down the stat for you. So they'll actually give you the probability of of teams winning. So um, yeah, it is called 538. So if any, if any fan is a gambler or, you know, and they have all the leagues, including the PSL, then they actually will show you kind of what the probabilities of a team winning a specific football match and included in those numbers um, and creating those probabilities. It's obviously a very mathematical and statistical process, but they'll use, call it maybe home advantage, current form, um, you know, specific stats like expected goals, um, goals scored, goals conceded, you know, so a whole bunch of different stats that they will use then to create a probability of the team winning and all actually the odd does is reflect that probability so you could actually turn any odd into a probability all right um i'm gonna extend the space i'm quite comfortable with what the information that we have so i'm gonna open the line and you guys pose your questions if i'm getting very limited number of requests then i'll have to close the space a bit earlier and while we're there, Mario from Sundowns has sent his apology. He's driving and he wasn't, he's not able to join us because the network is, is a bit wonky. Uh, so with that said, don't say, he did promise me that he'll, we can have a part two or we can have a segment where he, he'll be able to contribute. So let's just 
let's just carry on top of the hour remember to put your questions on the timeline if you want if you're scared to talk uh, and otherwise i'll be reading it on i'll be reading it in the space and we can be having this chat liolo um you know we were talking now he's talking about these these gambling sites are you i'm gonna the odds that are stacked against these numbers and and and, and from an, an analyst point of view is it and i'm just throwing this question around because we have a lot of people that are inclined to be gambling are the odds constantly stacked in the house's favor i wouldn't say so because it depends on the team you know and the the the, the team that they're coming up against you know so i would say it boils down to that and obviously various factors so i wouldn't say it's always fixated and especially considering then the type of sport it is you know there is sort of a margin there for for unpredictability like i'd mentioned earlier on so that would be my view on that one all right short and sweet i like it that way let's now ask a question that i've always wanted to ask ladies and gentlemen you're more than welcome to request um and when you do request please make sure your question is brief get to the point concise and i'll be giving you a chance you've always complained about the mic here's a chance to get a mic and pose your questions jack i see you've jumped into the space i'm gonna delay asking my question a bit so that i can allow you an opportunity to ask a question because the last thing that i want is to be asking a similar question that you know you might you might have prepared so let me rather give jack a chance to ask his question and then we can move on jack you may jump in uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Lukoko. Uh, great space. Am I audible? Very much so, Kerio. Um, yeah, no, my question, quick question. Um, it's player specific. I'm just going to use the example of Jack Grealish and, for example, like Bennett Parker. From us, the layman's point of view, we don't see like that their effectiveness, but they consistently keep getting selected in starting 11s. Is that mostly um, st- statistical, or is there some? Is that uh, preference of the coach or is there some way where you got where analysts come in to the frame of that selection all right um Liola, i'm gonna throw this at you but at the same time once you're done please if you can give the give ryan the baton and then he can give his input as well okay so i would think that um <laughs> sometimes most cases it would be the preference of of the coach and then sometimes it would boil down to there's certain players who aren't always going to give you the numbers, but they're very effective, you know. So sometimes they they play, um, they have the the second assist or the third assist. They are unable then to unlock a team from a deeper pocket of space, but they don't always get the assist or they don't always get the goal. So I would say it's a it's a confluence of of various factors, but mainly boiling down then to the the coach's preference and also then in relation maybe to the opposition and maybe then you've got a player within your ranks who's a specialist in a certain department and can perform that role um, the best on the day and um, can maybe offer you something that another player who's got maybe very good numbers can't offer you on the day. Brian? Uh, So yeah, dovetailing again on Liolo. To be honest, when you have like access, for example, that I get, um, you you get to paint a, a good picture about every player. So you can even get second, third assists, you know. So 
when you when you're dealing with the big data, so unfortunately your super sports and they might not present that. But <coughs> sorry, uh, but players that are involved in in build up and then they they do actually get recognition in in modern football, specifically within their numbers. So specific to the players that that Jack mentioned was Parker and Grealish, where sometimes players are just unlucky. You know, maybe you've created five chances and then unfortunately, you know, it's an off day for your strikers and your striker just hasn't scored the goal, but you've ultimately done your job, but you actually haven't got the assist. You know, so data has had to develop in such a way that you can actually now give numbers for those players. You know, you have to be able to to give a monetary value uh, or a value to a certain player for creating chances and what were the probabilities of those actually becoming assists. You know, for example, if you put a player 1v1 with a goalkeeper, that's obviously a lot higher chance of being a goal than, for example, if you shoot from the halfway line. So then the type of chances you create are also very important. Um, so again, speaking about like a guy like Grealish, he's actually been quite unfortunate. You know, he's actually created quite a lot of chances and he might not have seen the reward yet. So that might be the reason, you know, Pep will pursue with him to play. Because he knows this and he's creating the chances. They just haven't scored his crosses yet. They've scored, you know, Bernardo Silva's. So the data definitely helps you on that end. Um, specific to Parker, Parker's an interesting player just because he kind of, he, he he's a midfielder in the sense that he, he's not a heavy output attacker and he's not a heavy output defender, you know, so... And not every player can be. It's very difficult for certain players to, you know, have high numbers going both ways. And then within that, I mean, there's creating, there's scoring, there's ball progression, there's pressing, there's... So I would say with Parker, that would become more down to a coaching preference. Maybe, you know, he trusts the player, you know, maybe he prefers experience, maybe he requires experience within the team, maybe to help his, his younger players to, you know, provide their output. So... You know, it also it's always depending on the individual case. Because some players are unlucky, so they might be in the team because of the, the analyst showing, listen, he's actually been unlucky. I know there was obviously the, the story of Ashley Dupree last season. You know, he wasn't scoring as many goals, but we knew at our club that he's getting in the right places. His his probabilities of scoring are really high. So, you know, we have to we have to stick with him, we have to trust him to score, and obviously now we're reaping the rewards. So it, it, it does come down to, for me, a lot of analysis coming into that and specifically to the data because the data is is very detailed these days and it and it can be applied across the board. It can be a centre-back, it can be a, a right-back, you know. Everyone can be unlucky. But you're specific to Parker. He's a bit of an interesting case to, to start, you know, every single game. All right. The data is specific and I like that about the data. Now, Ryan, let me... Sorry, Jack, I hope you, you got your your questions answered. Yeah, thanks, Lugoko. I'll step down. Thanks. Thank you very much, Jack. Uh, thank you for, for joining the space. Ryan, let me ask you now. Uh, we, you, As much as you work with the coach, and you'd be the one that's working with the technical team at large, but I'd like to focus on one area, and that area would be scouting. How close are you how close a net is it between you and the scouting department i'm sorry it, it broke up a little bit there all right um, so I was, yeah are you able to hear me now yes i can hear you clearly all right so i was asking about i was saying you work with the technical department and and you'd be working with everybody now how 
how closely do you work with the scouting department so i actually that's my main my main job is the scouting and recruiting so yeah i would say that's kind of that's actually my main role uh, i obviously do opposition analysis as well um also some video but my main role within the setup is actually recruitment and scouting and let me you know i was very sneaky in asking you that question because i i i low key wanted to commend you for the type of job that you're doing and i'm ask and i'm saying that because in a market where a sundowns or a royal am would go would go gung-ho and they wouldn't give you guys breathing space in terms of spending the low cash that you have or the low budget that you have you guys have been able to rope in some of the best talent outside the country a lot of unknowns uh, but a, a lot of people that are over that are overseas not even necessarily in you know not necessarily within the continent do you think the scouting thereof has been outsourced as we have known it to be because all we knew was that a, you a team would set a budget and they would buy a plane ticket or they would have a network of scouts buy a plane ticket fly this person to that particular area watch this player play and yeah Bob's your uncle you have your player so yeah that will mainly depend on budget um you know maybe certain teams can do that you know maybe certain teams if they have identified a player that they like they can fly you know across wherever it's the continent or another continent to watch the player a few times um the benefit these days with instat and wire scout is that you can actually watch all that players matches from wherever you are in the world so but there is obviously a difference between watching the player live and you know being on your laptop but you know for us we we unfortunately don't have the, the capacity currently to actually fly you know to different areas to watch players you know so we, we rely on data and the video platforms to to identify players and then ultimately recruit them because importantly is you 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 have to recruit what is the best player that you can afford and that is available um you know if you if you don't have a sundown sort of budget where you can actually go and you know provide cash to to buy a player you you do rely on you know very good recruitment and that's why obviously we've adopted that approach um so you know if, if you if you can't just go by by players then if you aren't really using all of the resources available because as much as that bomb and instat and wise scout might be expensive it's a lot more expensive bringing in a player that maybe doesn't work and you never have a guarantee you know you never there's no there's no guarantees in football but you can try minimize risk so you can you know provide as much information as you can before you recruit a player so that you you try to minimize the risk that the player doesn't come off and you actually obviously sort of maximize reward by bringing in a player that can shoot the lights out and mm. unfortunately within South Africa there's obviously the foreign rule um and because your pirates and your sundowns have the capacity to have very large squads and their squads are a lot of the South Africans it becomes very difficult to get the best local players not to say that you can't you know there's always gems everywhere but for example if we want to get a player from TS Galaxy it's not that simple you know maybe they have a very good player but 
you know, we can't get him out of his contract or, you know, we can't go and actually buy him. So you, you have to rely on the broader market because the best local players are often tied up naturally. You know, you're not going to allow your best local players to leave for free. Um, and then your bigger teams also tend to sign players, you know, more regularly. So, you know, Pirates, Sundowns, they're probably the main two that have a lot of South African talent and they might not always be playing. Um, but and those might be players that we have identified as very good players. But unfortunately, maybe Jali plays in that position at Thundowns and they can't get in the team. Whereas they might be good use to us, but we, you know, we can't match the finances that that Sundowns can offer. And let's let's bring in a player like Mendieta. I've always been intrigued as to how it is that you guys managed to get him a plane ticket and land the site. How how long was it that you guys had to scout him? And and how easy was it, or rather hard was it to convince him to to come this side of the country. So, yeah, the scouting process takes time um, because, as I say, especially because you only have five foreign spaces, you you have to make sure that you are as sure as you can be um, in making the, making sure the player will work. So, there's a rigorous kind of the data analysis that kind of shortlist players. You you know, there's so many players around the world you know, that you, you can't scout everyone. You know, within our database, currently we have about 60, 60 to 80,000 players in the database. So you can't watch, you know, you can't watch all of those players. Um, but what you can do is you can filter down by age, position, foot, you know, specific data that we are able to create. And then you, you can say, okay, maybe these are the, the five to 10 players that fit the the role that we require that also of the quality that we that we need and then after we've kind of identified the shortlist then we we apply the video so then it becomes okay we have to watch you know we have to watch the players matches we have to see you know does he suit our our style of play and then you actually only fly the player over to sign him and even that process takes takes very long um I saw with Sundowns when they spoke about Saavedra and how difficult it is. The time zone in itself is difficult. So when you have to speak to agents, often they don't speak the language. Luckily, one of the coaches at Stellenbosch, he, he is fluent in Spanish and Portuguese. So then he often has to speak to agents and the player. And the convincing part isn't, I wouldn't say it's too difficult because a lot of players actually do want to come to South Africa. You know, we, we might not give our league enough credit in the sense that you know, if you're looking on continents, we are one of the biggest leagues on our continent. Um, and if a player is playing in, you know, Venezuela or Argentina in the lower teams, and maybe they don't realistically have a chance of getting to Boca Juniors or, you know, just using Junior as an example, mm-hmm. then maybe he wants to, you know, he wants to try himself in a new environment, a new challenge. Um, and you have to sell the project. You have to you have to make the player believe that he can come here and, you know, be successful and become a star so that you know they can make a name for themselves and whether that's now to get a move or or to make us successful and win titles you know you have to be able to to sell the whole environment to the player all right interesting um and i'd like i'd like to appreciate you for that for taking us through this whole food chain of, of how it is that you you'd be signing a player liolo you 
you've mentioning a lot of you know stats a lot of method that goes into video analysis now let's bring in the one aspect of the game that's often neglected and but it it, it plays an important role and and that role would sometimes be the difference between a team having silverware and not having silverware penalties do you ever take your time and say look i'm going to analyze how these players take their penalties i'm going to then give the report on for example a kigan dolly or you know mendieta the last five penalties that they've taken they've put them this side of the field or this side of the post do you ever take time and, and, and analyze analyze those penalties yeah i think it's, it's it's actually very very important that one actually analyzes penalties and the nice thing then is that in the recent afcon um there was uh, i think uh, I, i forgot which keeper it was i think it was kamal who had left his bottle and on his bottle he had um all the various kickers and their last five penalties or where their strongest side is you know so as much as it, it it is a lottery but a lot of preparation can actually go into penalties with regards to um how they're trying to how they're trying to place the ball the power that is used behind the ball because you do have different types of penalty takers some look to just place the ball some hit it with power and i often say that patterns always tell you a story you know and that that's that's something which is very prevalent within football so it comes it boils down to um certain individuals and then you get to understand that okay he likes to go to the right you know but okay let's break it down further when he goes to the right is he looking to go low is he looking to go high you know and um, also then looking at aspects like um the type of style when it comes to the penalty taker because some have may have a long run up some may have a short run up some would have that little pause some will skip hop and you know do all these type of things to throw off a goalkeeper so once you're able then to ensure that you've done enough research i think it really helps it really really helps the goal the goalkeeper with regards to having knowledge and sort of having um the understanding where uh the, the kicker might most likely go you know so as much as people look at it as the lottery but a lot a lot of work actually can go into penalties you know and i'm a firm believer that um you can actually prepare for penalties you know and um you leave very little to chance actually all right ryan let, let me bring you into this one because it, you know we saw with the netbank cup and what what happened do you guys prepare every cup game uh, for penalties that is Yeah so with every report that I will provide um we will take the team's most recent penalty takers and we will provide images of where that player has gone um you know as Luyolo says whether it's bottom whether it's top left right um how often they go and obviously the keepers will get that so um, the keeper will know you know which which side more likely the players to go because the probability of a penalty being scored is 75%. That's kind of the world worldwide average. Um so what you're trying to do is actually just decrease that as much as you can. So we want we played uh Maroma Gallants and we unfortunately conceded a penalty and in Londlos had a few penalties this season. We identified that he actually more often than not goes bottom left. So we knew okay out of his last 10 
maybe he's gone seven times to the bottom left. So we're trying to decrease our probability, you know, as Leola says, decrease the risk as much as possible, as much as you can, because as we saw in, in Londres, he decided that day to go right, you know, so um, you, you can always try to decrease as much as you can. But at the end of the day, the, the, the guy taking the penalty is still a, is still an individual who will make a decision while they're there. And our goalkeeper the same. Sometimes our goalkeeper has a feeling that you know, the player might go another direction. So then, you know, we have to trust that, you know, they, their job in the team is to be the goalkeeper and we have to accept if they do die in a different area. But we as analysts, we just try our best to, to give them all the information that we can and hope that it, it, it does help us, you know, to, to the best of our ability. And in you, you know, guiding your team, um, for example, when you mentioned John Rowe going to, to, to his right, would you then be the one that would advise your, your takers? Because maybe we're looking at it from your goalkeeper side of things to say, okay, look, the opposition, these guys, they, they go to a certain side of the penalty spot. Now, with your, with your players, would you then say, look, Mendieta, you've been taking your penalties to the right. Uh, ten, for the last 10 times, you've taken six of them to the right. And then we think that, you you know, they might have unlocked what it, whatever it is that you, you, you think is a secret. And we advise that you change. Is it something that you are able to advise with regards to your report? Ryan? Yeah. Um, so... Again, it, it always comes down to the penalty taker. Um, I will, I take, you know, I wouldn't say blame because you don't, you don't play a play game, blame game in football. You know, everyone makes mm. mistakes, everyone has errors. So, all a, an analyst can do is just try to provide as much information that a, a player can use to the, you know, the best of their ability. Um, so, you know, Junior, for example, this weekend he took a penalty. It was a good penalty. He went to his bottom right. And the keeper made a save. You know, that's that happens in football. As I say, there's a reason penalties aren't a hundred percent accurate all the time, is because you know you can miss. It's not a it's not a guarantee. So um, you know, the the player we, we I'll try avoid any situation where anyone gets blamed for missing a penalty or a keeper not saving a penalty because at the end of the day it is a lottery. Um, all anyone can try to do is minimize the risk and then once you've done that you know you've done your job if the player goes the other direction you know there's nothing you can do about that you've all you've tried to do is give the information at hand um mm. you know that that's all you can do if dolly out of his last 10 has gone to the top right corner you know what are you going to tell your goalkeeper mm. you're going to tell him listen, you know jump to the top right but then if dolly decides now today he wants to go bottom left and the keeper's gone top right you know, that's not my fault. It was not the goalkeeper's fault. Dolly's just gone bottom left. You know, you can't you can't do too much about it, you know, at the time. All right. And Liolo, let me let me bring you in. It's often said that a kid's foundation is, 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 is or a foundation of education is more important at the primary phase of, of, of schooling, more like the high school phase of schooling so essentially where you have to pay folk uh, focus it would be on their development side and the reason i'm bring i'm i'm bringing this comparison is because i would like to bring in the ddc and or development at large do you often analyze de uh, development matches and 
if you do uh, which leagues do you do that you know yeah so i i often try as i often try watch as as much football as possible you know irrespective of of the country irrespective of the league and uh, bringing it home um i would watch a lot of a lot of a lot of kaiser chiefs for obvious reasons you know mm. so mm. yeah i do i do watch a lot and there's certain things that you can learn about certain young players and you get a better understanding as to why a certain player is 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 so dangerous and um i then from time to time i would do sort of like a, a special feature focus episode on maybe a young player who who i really like at that time or who's really exciting you know so the last time out i did one on radio pane and um tutuzi shavalala as well you know and just looking at their strengths looking at their weaknesses um with regards to the types of um pockets they would pick up uh with radio pane the types of goals he'd score you know where is he most dangerous what is he trying to do some of his weaknesses and then with umtutuzi shavalala same thing you know and just analyzing various things you know and for example i'll give you the hat trick he scored against uh royal am you know just from you know there's certain things that you can see from a young player and even if it's in a small sample size it can also tell you a lot about the player so the type of hat trick he scored the types of different goals he scored as well uh, the types of different pockets of space he was able to to pick up his awareness how then he was able to there's the one where he he comes short and then he spins in behind and then he finishes with the head if i'm not mistaken mm. you know there's the one where he runs onto it from outside the box and then there's the one where he he puts a couple of men on their bums and then he finishes you know so with those type of things you get a better understanding of what type of player we we have on our hands and what he can he can develop into uh, especially then when he does finally get that promotion you know of course certain things would change according to what the coach would be expecting with regards to how that player would impose themselves but there's 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 a lot you could get from watching ddc games and you get a better understanding of these young gems what they can offer what they can do and um yeah it just gives you a better a better picture so for me the more i watch the better i understand the the young gems that we have coming up through the country and Ryan he he's mentioning the young gems uh, that are coming into into the country and let me take this moment and say let's put our focus on the DDC and the Stellis DDC to be precise do you guys work with with the technical team that side as well uh, do you also put in as much work as you would with the first team and i know the money you know the money aspect of football is is in the first team but the development aspect of it and I would then assume that you're more you know you'd be more progressive and I'm using the word loosely because you'd be more progressive into the development side because you are able to correct players habits that they're forming uh, easier than you would be trying to change a 20 22 year old or so do you work with the with the DDC team Yeah so at Stellenbosch we actually you know we our DDC team is doing very well um you know we currently we currently second just behind Orlando Pirates and obviously they did get the three points due to Chipper playing an overage player for again they lost you know so like we could ultimately be first um so our but our DDC players often train every single day with our first team you know we've identified which players 
you know, will train with the first team often. Um, we actually, uh, a, a stat that we have currently is, if you had to combine the other, the other seven teams in the top eight, obviously excluding Stellenbosch, they've given just over about half the minutes combined to under, to under 21 year olds compared to Stellenbosch. So we've almost given, you know, double of the minutes to under 21s if you had to combine all other seven teams in the top eight. So we really do um, focus on DDC. Um, we, I personally do video analysis with the, with the DDC team. Um, a lot of them, obviously, as I say, they've played minutes. Uh, just this weekend, we had Antonio van Veek, who, you, you know, he had an assist for the one goal and he was very influential in our second goal. Um, Jaden Adams, he's another good example. He's played a lot of minutes. Um, you know, we've had Titus, we've had we've had many, many players that have played. And the thing is, if they don't get opportunities, you don't really understand what they can do at a first team level, at a PSL level, because the difference is quite stark. So, you know, you have to you have to give them the opportunities at training, and then training will also give you enough indication of whether the player can is ready for a PSL standard. And then if they are, luckily we have we have coaches that are more than willing to give players opportunities. So as I said, the, the one coach that can speak Spanish and Portuguese, Evangelos Velios, he's the head coach of our DEC team, but he works directly with our first team, you know, and we, myself and Coach Wesley and Coach Steve, we all go watch as many, you know, DDC games as we can. We also one of the only teams that I know that actually films all of our games. We implemented a, a system now where our bench players for DDC actually film the game. So while the game's going on, they film and then we allow to analyze, you know, as much as we can of our DDC team. So we really do have a big focus on on our under 21s and bringing them into the first team. You know, it's not just about results. Obviously, our team is doing very well. But you, you ultimately want to see them progressing into the first team and, you know, getting regular minutes rather than a 10-minute a, a cameo every now and then. Alrighty. Um, that pretty much about sums up the space that we've had. Um, gentlemen, I think... Oh, Zolani is, has requested. I'll be doing great injustice to if I don't accept his request. Zolani is... A graphics designer by the way and tando tando uh before i accept your request i can only take no more than two questions so i know tando default settings is three questions tando i'm going to accept your request but just know i can only take two questions and yeah zolani is is, is struggling to connect i don't know if it's from my end um but yeah i'm gonna give him a chance and then after that i'll give you gentlemen a chance to give you your parting shots Zolani, you may pose your question, my brother. Hi, guys. Thank you, Lukaku. Um, hi, Ren. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, I just wanted Yourself? to know. I'm good. Thank you. I wanted to know, like, um, in terms of um, recruiting for, for like, um, the, the the younger players, like, how does it look like from your side in, in your team? And, like, um, how do, and how does the, the high performance center help? And what, like, when you recruit someone, let's say you could recruit them from like from lower league, for example, maybe like a little scalum. Like, what's the process that you have to go through with a player to to get them like ready for a professional setup? Like, what challenges or things that they, you go through with them? Um. So yeah, no, Lelitu obviously he's left us now, but he he had been with our team while we were still NFD. 
Um, so for us, it's mainly you just you have to see them within a first team environment. So whether they're coming through the system, and I'll get to the recruitment of it now, but whether they're coming through the system as an under 18, if they're in our HPL team, so high performance league, if they play under 18 football, then we actually just want to see then are they DDC level. So can they make that step? Then they will train with our DDC team and then we will then see what his level is comparative to our DDC team because we know that we've got, call it, eight players at any given time training with our first team from DDC, you know, and then if this player, for example, is just slightly below their level, then we know, okay, maybe we're not ready yet for first team. But we will spend a lot of time with that player um, you know, if we if we see potential in them, then and it's a collective, obviously not just myself, but we will then spend time in making sure that that player can get better in whatever aspects they do need to. And then also, uh, a good example is the letter is a very strong player. He's very good at making runs in behind. So then you also want to make sure that you know do what got you to the dance. What got him into the team was you know his ability to run in behind. You know, he's very strong. So once he does get there, if a defender is, you know, trying to muscle him off the ball, he can ultimately, you know, compete in those duels. So it's also making sure that players that have certain skills stick to their skills. You know, um, you don't want them to try, you know, if he's a good player in behind, they mustn't come short more often than they're going in behind. Um, so it's, you just actually deal with the play individually. Um, and then speaking about recruitment, we, we, only started our youth team recently. Obviously, we are a young young team within the PSL setup. So we've only started our youth teams recently. So we haven't obviously had too many players come through. But we have had Jaden Adams and Oswin Apollos that have both come through. Um, oh, Oswin Andri, sorry. That have both come through and played for first team and DDC. So, you know, we, we try to take from there. But we also identify that the whole of South Africa has talent and the Western Cape specifically. So, you know, if it's using agents scouting all over the Western Cape or using bail and engine tournaments to identify players, we then bring them into our setup and let them play DDC. And, you know, um, Ubuntu have a great academy also in the Western Cape. So we have a good relationship with them to bring players, you know, from their setup into our setup. Um, and then a, a player that's now obviously been called up into the Bafana Bafana setup at Nkosi Mkaba. You know, we we also bring them from other places throughout the country. So we, we do, if there is a talent elsewhere and we can identify them. So obviously at Nkosi had played junior national teams. So we could obviously watch his footage. We also then trust our players. So we also have a player, Soli Kunyedi, who played with Ati uh, for the Vits junior teams. And then we ask him, listen, you understand the quality of our DDC team and our first team. Do you think Atin Corsi, you know, should come? And then he'll tell us, listen, I think he's a top player. Then we bring Atin Corsi. So um, we use as much information as we can and as much video as we can. And we have to trust the agents and, you know, these individuals, you know, that they they, they know what they're doing to, to bring the best talent as we can bring to, to Stellenbosch. All right, uh, Tando, we, we've left over time. I know in referee's optional time, so can I take one question <laughs> from you then we close the space? <laughs> okay, Cox, okay. Thanks. Um, good evening to, 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 to the panel and also the listeners, Swana Cox. Um, Cox, my question to the panel um, is um, 
what do they include um the players when there's this um video analysis um assessments that are going on in their teams whether it's to analyze mm. it's to analyze the, the the previous game or the game that they're going to play or the opponent's game because usually they sit there and just analyze and then go to the coaches and this is what we have found but do they include the players do they sit in a room and discuss about the previous performance in the opponents thank uh, you coach Ryan, thank you thank you Tando Ryan I think you're more inclined to answer that one yeah um so yeah they're both both involved so if they obviously won't watch as much as us because their primary objective is within playing and then there's also gym and you know all those aspects so they're quite busy themselves but what we will do as analysts and coaches we will break down performances so whether that's individually so sometimes a player will come and sit one view like one on one and we'll go through their footage just us and we'll discuss their performances or we'll give them their footage to study at home and then we will understand what you know kind of they've taken away from their performances and then we'll give them our you know our opinions um and then in terms of watching previous matches we will then also do a post match analysis so we will then also break down our previous match where the players will be you know in the room and we might play the whole match you know or break down the segments of the match and then groups of players will watch the the games you know whether it's we get our defenders to watch the first 33 minutes and we want them to kind of present to the rest of the squad or whether we all watch it together and we all give our opinions or you know that's kind of post match is very um player based the players always have a have an opinion and have a say within that regard in terms of opposition the analysis is often done by the assistant coach Wesley and then myself is more just you know we will kind of show the players what to expect and then the players can actually see visually about how the other team will play so the players are definitely heavily involved because ultimately they're the ones on the field they're the warriors on the field we can only best prepare them for what to expect and try to get the best outcome that we can get as a team as a club so if the players don't quite understand the analysis then it's a bit pointless you know there's no point in doing analysis if the players can't implement it or don't agree with it or so that's why it's very important to have player buy in and player opinion in in understanding and that's also where your senior players are important so we've you know we've got a player like Robin Johannes who understands mm-hmm. the game very well and he's just an example um we have many but you know then their opinions also matter so when they speak in the room you know the players and our as a coaching staff we we definitely listen and we take in their opinions and we want to you know get the feedback from all players but especially the senior players that have that have been there and done that right that brings us to the end of our space quite an interesting one i might add and before i do so let me allow liolo and and, and ryan an option to give us a parting shot and yeah because i think i would have done injustice if if wesley i see a request unfortunately the referee has blown the final whistle i have to allow liolo to give us his parting shot and then yeah we're about to close the space no thank you very much cox for the opportunity oh, so, sorry sorry liolo i'm going to add wesley i have to add wesley um wesley is the assistant coach uh, of 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 stelly so <laughs> he is the he is the colleague of 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 Ryan so yeah uh, Liolo you may give me your parting shot so i'm going to hold Ryan's parting shot because yeah, our colleague has jumped in okay no man thank you very much for the opportunity and um 
yeah man for just allowing me to be in in the presence of those who work within the professional space because i think you get uh, a different perspective whereas with me i'm on the outside looking in as opposed to being on the inside looking out so mm-hmm. it's 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 quite nice i quite enjoyed it as um coach and coach youtube coach <laughs> so thank <laughs> you so much <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so with 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 the YouTube code. Sorry, Wesley. I did accept your your request, and yeah, I don't know what happened. Just kicked you out. So please, if you can, request again. Um, Ryan, YouTube coaches. Have you ever recruited a player via YouTube? Um, no, personally not. As obviously a, a data person myself, unfortunately, there's no data in football. I uh, like uh, on YouTube. Um, but you know they, they are decent highlight packages that might introduce you to a player that then you can go analyze but as Leolo says you know it's he's obviously used the term you know humorously um but you know we all start somewhere you know I was an intern during our NFT season where I was basically a, a ball boy while I was a student at Stellenbosch um so then I would just come to matches uh, come to training every single day I'd basically just chase the ball carry on mannequins you know and that's how I got into the video space at at Stellenbosch so mm. you know there's there's no um there's no I wouldn't say anything's a youtube coach um everyone understands <laughs> you know and everyone has their opinions of football and they're not wrong you know until you've tried to implement them and maybe you lose every game and then maybe you're wrong but I wouldn't say any opinions are wrong and you know you start like that and you never kind of know where you end up and so yeah i would just say that anyone that wants to get into football it's actually a smaller world than you know people might expect all right thank you very much gentlemen thank you ladies and gentlemen for taking your time and joining the space i really appreciate that with that said before i close the space let me allow a very special human being to say something to you guys and yeah we can close the space Bye-bye, my people. All right. Uh, that's that's that on that. I enjoyed the space. I hope you've learned as much as I did. And I've, I've expressed terms that, you know, I never thought I would. Verticality, Zone 14, and all the other stuff. And thank you to these gentlemen for bringing all this jargon. I call it Mandarin. But yeah, thank you for bringing this jargon on the time on, on the timeline and in the space and for educating us we are very grateful ryan if you can please speak to wesley um i'd like to host him on on, on one of the spaces but I'll, i will get in touch with you it's a different topic and yeah remember guys treat the people that you love right and i love you all see you guys next tuesday cheers cheers thank you very much <laughs>